Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, and thank you. Okay, that's enough. All right, thank you. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show and being a loyal listener of the show. That's 
so much. That means so much to me. And I once once again, I want to say I hope everybody had a great holiday. I know I did. I was off a few for a few days. Uh, the radio show was not functioning because we were having a good time. And I hope you guys out there were having a good time, uh, enjoying yourself. Yeah, yeah, I put on a few pounds. I mean, during the holidays, that's what happens. But then you uh, uh, think about those revol- those resolutions that you never keep, like losing weight or taking a few pounds off. And that's what I have to do. I, I mean, I'm not really that bad, but, you know, you can see it because uh, – uh, I mean, you just, you just got to enjoy food. What can I tell you? You just got to enjoy food. I mean, you know you're doing wrong when you're eating too much cake and pie. You know you're doing wrong. You 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 know that's wrong. But anyway, you, it's it's the holidays, so the hell with it. Splurge. And then after uh, the holidays are over, hit the gym. Quick. <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> and that's what I've been doing. I hope that's what you've been doing. But if, if not, then that's, that's your prerogative. Well, anyway, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio, um, broadcasting out of the city of Chicago. It's a beautiful city. It's a great city. The only thing about it is, for me, there's a few things about it for me, is that it's expensive. It's expensive to live in in the city of Chicago. It really is. High taxes, uh, high everything. Everything, is, especially the first of the year. I mean, everything seems like it's gone up, uh, taking more money out of your pocket. We just have to do a better job of voting people in office who who actually represents us and care about us. But right now we we don't have that. Anyway, that's another story for another time. Maybe later on in the show. My guest is today. It says here is Peggy Lee Sprague. Okay, escape the lies on the George Wilder Jr. show. That should be interesting. All right, we have a caller in the queue already, but I'm not gonna take it right now. If you want to call back, caller, you can. Um, um, uh, this is the George Wilder Jr. show uh, on on. <laughs> I can't even speak now. I, I said the, for the caller to call back, and the caller just hey, it, it disappeared off the screen. But that's okay. That's fine, and she'll call back hopefully, and we can get into talking about escape the lies. I don't know if she's talking about Donald Trump and his team of goons. I don't know, but it, it, it's. It's a relevant uh, conversation to have, escape the lies, whether she's talking about Donald Trump or or something else. Either way, lying is wrong, folks. I'm going to start right out and tell you that lying is not the way to go. I mean, when you lie constantly, all the time, you become a what? Anybody know? Logical liar. You know, you don't want to be Donald Trump and his goons and his team of criminals. I mean, these people lie all the time. Fox News, you they digging people up out from under the rock, put them on television, and suddenly we're supposed to listen to these to these uh insects. But anyway, lying is not the way to go, folks. Lying is 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 not a good thing. I mean, if the president lies, you, and and the kids are watching this and these they're thinking they're supposed to lie too because he lies. No, 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 no. Lying is just dishonest. It's deceitful. Uh, It doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't, um, uh, it's just wrong. And for anybody to do it. I mean, if you lie on your uh, application for college, if you lie on an application for a job and they find out, you're fired. But if you lie as president of the United States, you just get away with it. 
which is not fair, which is not right. Lying is not the way to go. Being untruthful about anything can get you in trouble. I mean, a lot of people think because Donald Trump lies and get away with it, that they can lie and get away with it. No, you don't want to stoop that low. The truth should always suffice, not, uh, not lies, because you don't want that. Um, and I try to talk to my son about lying, but, uh, you know, he's, his head is broken. So, you, <laughs> you know, but, you know, teenagers are going to lie. I mean, they're going to dysfunction the truth. And hopefully they'll get older and they'll find out that lying is not the way to go. But when you've got a 72-year-old man in office that lies every day and the people who represent him lies and they throw, that, throw those lies out there to the American public, it's wrong. And you want you want your uh, you want to tell your kids uh, that it's wrong to lie, but they're going to find it hard because the president and everybody else on TV that they see are lying about something or you know uh, dismantling the truth. But uh, I'm here to tell you now that George Wilder Jr. Show is here to tell you now: lying is, as I've said earlier, lying is not the way to go. The truth will always suffice. Tell the truth. I mean, the people in the White House and in Congress, if they want to lie, let them lie. Because all they're doing is looking bad. They're looking bad uh, to the rest of us and maybe their families. Who knows? But truth should always suffice. Never lie if you can help it. You know, a lot of people have lied their asses off and got great jobs. <laughs> but uh, soon they're found out and, and, and they get fired. You know, so lying is not the way to go. So even if the president lies or people around him lies or your friend lies or, or, or other folks lie that you have known, it's not your place to tell a fib. Don't lie because other people lie. Don't lie because you think other people get away with lying. You know, you want to be better than that. Always try to tell the truth. Even if the truth hurts, try to tell the truth all the time. Okay. Uh, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show telling everybody to tell the truth out there. Don't lie because your president is a liar. You want to be truthful as you possibly can. And, and it pays off. Believe me. Believe me. It pays off. It paid off for me anyway. Uh, hopefully it'll pay off for you. Pay off for you. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. We do have a caller in the queue. Let me go see what we can do here. All right. You're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. You're on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Call back. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Let's see. Can we do something? Let's see. B-B-B-B-B-B. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening.
All right, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show after that little bitty break. Believe me, I think I needed it because actually before the show, I had just walked in the door into the studio here. I've just come from the eye doctor. Yeah, the eye doctor. And uh, it seems as everything that it's okay. I mean, if, if there's anything that's wrong with my eyes, it's okay. And it's kind of natural from what the doctor tells me. Because it comes with aging, you know, I mean, everybody, you know, everybody's, you know, your eyesight will diminish with aging, but apparently mine is pretty, pretty, pretty decent. I mean, I think two years ago, uh, I was um, diagnosed with 2020 vision, but I know I don't have that now. I mean, your eye, your eyes can go and that 2020 vision can go overnight, you know, so, but I'm not blind. I'm not, I can see pretty well. Well, uh, I've got some new glasses today. I don't, I don't really wear glasses unless they're sunglasses, but I got some new prescription glasses today. And basically, they do nothing for my eyes except for make things a little clearer, whereas things may have been a little fuzzier, but now they, with the glasses, they are a little bit clearer. So therefore, I'm thinking, well, they're, they're good for something. They cost enough. You know, they cost enough. So they're good for something. And plus, they, they look pretty, pretty nice. I don't, like I said before, I don't usually wear glasses um, unless they're sunglasses or something. I might wear something like that to hide the color of, my, color of my eyes. I used to think my eyes were blue. And to some people, they were blue. But the doctor's saying that that's not, yeah, they're blue, but there's something wrong because they're blue and you're African-American. So <laughs> an African-American with blue eyes. Um, is is to some people uh, kind of weird, but I've seen African Americans with hazel eyes. You can have blue eyes as an African American. You can have you can have hazel or cat eyes as a African American. You know, so yeah, I have blue eyes. If you look closely, they're they're blue. I mean, I used to have women standing, girls and women stand directly in front of me and tell me I had great looking eyes. One girl said, "You got some pretty eyes." I went to the doctor and said, no, no, that's not eyes. That's something else. You've got a, you've got a, you have a sickness. <laughs> that's why your eyes are that color. But um, uh, yeah, blue eyes, blue eyes. They may have changed by, uh, changed back to their regular color. I don't know. But uh, anyway, my guest today is Peggy Lee Sprague. She's going to be calling in in about, maybe about 15 minutes, 14 minutes, maybe. And... Uh, the talk of the the talk of our times is back. I was reading that. <laughs> That's why I had it got it screwed up. Okay. The talk of our times are back, is back for twenty eighteen. Okay. All right. Worry and feeling of helplessness will defeat us. Stay positive, stay engaged, stay focused, and we're and we're and make it and make it a mission. Sorry for make it a mission uh, for taking back our country. Okay, hate has no home here. Be nice to one another out there. Be nice, folks. Stop the arguing, the bitching, the, the disagreements, yelling and screaming and wanting to shoot. Stop that right now. Be nice to one another. Be friendly. Be helping, loving, and kind. All right? You get that from the George Wilder Jr. Show. All righty. I, I wanted to talk about uh, Michael Wolff's book where Donald Trump is 
um, doodooing bricks over. Uh, he's really blasting this book. But something else came to my attention besides that book. We'll, we'll get to talking about Wolf's book uh, in a moment. But uh, I want to talk about something that something that everybody is talking about today. And everybody is trying to say that Oprah Winfrey, the former talk show host, Oprah, I mean, who doesn't know Oprah, right? You don't even call her Winfrey. You call her by her first name, Oprah, Oprah, Oprah. Uh, they're speculating that she's going to run for president in 2020. Even her boyfriend or lover or partner, uh, Stedman, said there's a possibility for her to go for it. You know, so she hasn't totally denied that she's not running. She hasn't totally, you know, acknowledged it either. But anyway, that's 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 something to think uh think about um, there I mean I think uh, the reactions to this are mixed some people are saying for her to go for it some people are saying we don't need Oprah we need uh Warren Elizabeth Warren we need uh Bernie Sanders you know somebody like that but we don't need Oprah um I, I'm mixed on Oprah I don't know whether I would want to see her run or not you know, she's such, I mean, she's well known. I think she would beat the hell out of Donald Trump and his goons. But I don't know. Um, she doesn't have much, much experience in politics, just like Doofus doesn't. She doesn't have that much. Uh, and if she does announce that she's going to run, folks, this, this is the kicker. Even if she do announce that she's going to run, Oprah Winfrey running for president of the United States, the Republicans are going to come up come at her with every dirty, low-down trick in the book. They're going to come at her and try to smear her so badly. But the thing here is that the majority of Americans, we know what the Republicans are about. If Oprah Winfrey does announce that she's going to run for president and the Republicans start slinging mud her way, I don't think it's going to stick. You know why? Because we know what the Republicans are about. We know what they're about. They're about taking over this country, selling this country out, using this country as their personal piggy bank. The hell with the American people, the hell with their constituency, the hell with everything. You know, but now some of the Republicans, they're 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 quitting, they're leaving, they're re they're retiring, they're leaving their posts, they're leaving their jobs. Why? Are they retiring old age to spend more time with their family? No, they're retiring because Donald Trump gave all of them a tax cut. They've cashed in and now they're cashing out. They have enough money in the bank to survive for the rest of their lives and send their kids to college. Even grandkids send them to college. They're cashing out. That's why they're leaving. That's why they're leaving. They're not going to leave broke. Donald Trump gave them a tax break. Donald Trump stood in front of all those rich people and said, hey, I made you richer. I've just made you richer. And that's what it's all about, folks. But getting back to Oprah, you know, if she runs, let her run. It's a free country so far. So far, it's a free country. <laughs> so far, we have the Constitution to uh, back us up. 
you know, because the Republicans, they can start changing things to the Constitution the way they want it because they want to rule forever. And I've told people all the time, we're going to we're going to wipe them out. We're going to uh, wipe them out of the uh, Congress. And they know this. So you have to be vigilant and focused because the Republicans know they're going to get wiped out. They, some of them don't even care because they've gotten their they've gotten their, their pockets have been lined with cash. And then some want to keep power forever. You know, some want to keep power forever, and they're not going to keep power forever because we're going to wipe them all out in November. But, and they know this. So get ready for these people to start gerrymandering, uh, uh, thinking of ways to stop you and me from voting, voter suppression, you know, finding out all kinds of ways to stop me and you from voting. And that's a and that's a violation uh, to the uh, U.S. Constitution to do that. But the Republicans don't give a damn about any laws. They think that they think that they are above the law, and they're not. All right, Donald Trump. Uh, I'm hearing that he is scheduled for he will be or maybe scheduled for a meeting uh, to talk to. Special Counselor Robert Mueller on the investigations. Now, a lot of us are thinking, will he actually let himself be questioned by Robert Mueller in the investigation? And then some people are saying, if he does let himself be questioned, will he be under oath? And I say, put him under oath, because (laughs) if you put Donald Trump under oath, under oath, I have a feeling this guy is still going to lie. He's a pathological liar. He can't help it but to lie. I believe sometimes this guy's lying and doesn't even know he's lying. To him, it's the truth. But to everybody else, it's a big, fat lie. All righty. You've been listening to the George Wander Jr. Show, and we've been talking about Oprah Winfrey running for president. Wow, that's great. It's another African-American lady in Congress that's running for president. I believe she's a senator. And her name is Carmela Harris. Oh, I've heard her speak. I've seen her. She seems as though she's very intelligent, very smart, an intellectual to the boot. Um, I remember seeing her at some of these uh, um, conferences on Capitol Hill where she's questioning people. And she's very, very knowledgeable. She's very, and she's a woman. And she's a woman and the Republicans, they, you know, they try to dismiss her as if she's nothing. You know, that's only because she's a Democrat. A lot of these Republican men, they can't stand women. They think women are second and third class citizens as if back over in the, these Middle Eastern countries where women are not respected. You know, they're not uh, given the platform that, they're, that they are given in America. Yeah, and a lot of countries, that, that's it. A lot of countries around the world, women do not have the respect that they get here. And a lot of women in America think they don't get any respect in America because of the sexual harassment, the sexual misconduct. You know, I, I, I didn't watch the Golden Globes the other night, but uh, I heard that a lot of them were, were wearing black. And I will tell you that domestic violence is up in America. And if that, if that was one of the issues they were talking about, I'm with them. I'm with them on domestic violence. I don't think 
a man, a big powerful man should be putting his hand on any woman, you know, because you, you have, as we speak, as I speak now, I mean, you've got women all over the world being beaten, beaten down to a pulp by some guy who just likes doing it, you know, and uh, she constantly is coming back for more. So I think domestic violence, if they were uh, talking about that or alluding to that the, the other night on the Golden Globes, I'm all with them. I mean, because I've written extensively about domestic violence. You can find it on Amazon. I've written ex- extensively. Uh, it's fiction. I've written fictional stories about it, but it still fits into the realm of what's happening today. So, you know, if they're if they're um, want to know anything more about domestic violence, they can buy one of my stories um, on it. And it's on uh, all that stuff is on Amazon, you know. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. Once again, worry and feeling of helplessness will defeat us. Stay positive, stay engaged, stay focused, and make taking back our country a mission. Vote 2018. Vote 20. Uh, vote 20, 2018. November 2018. Yeah. And uh, we're going to get that right because we got about 11 more months. But in 11 months, Donald Trump and his goons can do a lot of damage to this country. Because one of the things they got in common, they got Fox News. Donald Trump and the and his goons, they have Fox News. And Fox News is Fox News is no uh, friend to the American public. They are no friend to the American public. And um and most of us know that. I think a lot of people watch Fox News just to get a laugh, a big ass laugh. And we <laughs> we laugh our butts off because we don't know where Fox gets some of these commentators or pundits, as they call them, and put them on their show and try to convince us that Donald Trump is a genius that he says he is. Yeah, the other night Donald Trump was on television. I don't want him on my TV. I just I just don't. But anyway, he was giving a press conference or something. And he was basically what he was talking about was how smart he was, how intelligent he was, and that that people who were thinking that he was not so intelligent were wrong because he's went to all of these colleges. Now, this is the second time or third time I've 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 heard of or noticed Donald Trump giving press conferences to say how smart he he is and what a genius he is, you know. Uh, if if he is all of that, he should. He hasn't shown it yet. <laughs> he really hasn't. Uh, telling somebody that you're not stupid and dumb is not really saying that you're not stupid and dumb. You know, Donald Trump has done a lot of ignorant things, but they may be stupid and ignorant to us, but to him, he's a genius. Ah, baloney. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Black Talk Radio. All righty. It is 6:28 in the city of Chicago. I hope it's great. It's not that cold in Chicago, folks, as it as it was last week. It was cold as hell last week. It was totally totally out of the box. We were freezing. You know, even though we had furnaces and heaters all over the place, it was just too damn cold. It was just cold. You know, but we stayed warm as best we could, you know. I mean, it was just cold. Sometimes sometimes you can have on every, you know, thing on in the house, heaters, radiators, furnaces, 
fireplaces. You can have all of these things on it and it, it will still get cold because it's so cold outside, 20, 30 b- below zero wind chill factor. So, you know, <laughs> but but we are um, blessed not to have that now. It's it's pretty nice. I mean, anytime you think the 30s are, are uh, uh, nice, something's wrong, you know, as long as it's not below 30. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. I believe it's around 6.30. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Hi there, George. It's Peggy Lee Sprague. Hi, Peggy Lee Sprague. Thanks. Thank you for waiting. Thank you for being on the show. And how is everything in your neck of woods, and where are you calling from? I'm actually calling from San Diego, California. Okay. How's everything there? It's a little warmer than 30 degrees, but um, I'm originally from Illinois, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Some chilly, chilly weather. <laughs> Not chilly, but cold. <laughs> it's freezing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's nice. It's nice today, and uh, yesterday it was pretty nice. But, uh, I mean, it was cold. I mean, I know you heard about yeah. the uh, coldness around the country. You know, there's a bl- blizzards oh, yeah. and snowstorms around the yeah. So a lot of us have been really, really been getting it, really been getting it. And um, uh, right now it's, it's 30. And when it gets 30, I mean, we're thinking that it's almost a, you know, heat wave compared to yeah. <laughs> compared to what we've been living through for the last couple of weeks. Well, anyway, Peggy yeah. Lee Sprague on the George Wilder Jr. Show. And you're going to be talking about <laughs> Escape the Lies? I am. I am. But first, I want to congratulate you for your show's success as well as your own success as an author. And I really also want to be, oh, you're welcome. You're so welcome. And I also want to begin tonight with a, an acknowledgement to Oprah and what I feel is her magnificence to who she is and what she gives to humanity. What an incredible mm-hmm. woman and what I believe an incredible gift that God gave us when she was born. And I don't know for sure, but I would be leaning towards Oprah for president myself. <laughs> Anything will be better than what we have now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd say that was a huge step in the right direction. I so, do too. I um, do too. In, yeah. Yeah. So right anyway, ahead. I did grow grow up in southern Illinois, which is about where my hometown is, a little town called Marion, about 45 north uh, minutes north of Kentucky. And so my sports teams, like all of you, were the Chicago Cubs and the Bears. And uh, although growing up in a small town versus Chicago, I grew up in a, a very conservative environment. Are you familiar, uh, George, with, with uh, Marion at all? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No. But, uh, you know, I mean, you, yeah, there are some towns in Illinois I'm not familiar with because it seems like they crop yes. up overnight. Well, this is, uh, this is Illinois. This is the very, very tip of Illinois. But anyway, Marion, Illinois? Came, yeah. And, and I feel no, like I'm it's not important familiar. to I feel like it's important to start out with the why behind my goal for writing my books, because I I know just like all of us, it's our journeys that make us and take us to who we are today. And my parents came from the school of hard work. They both grew up um, just post the depression area era and neither one of them graduating high school. And Mm. as a lot of great Midwesterners, they have great hearts. They're great people. 
great Midwestern stock, and they know the value of integrity, <laughs> hard work, and love. And yeah. I feel, e- even though they are very conservative in their thinking, I feel very blessed to have their level of values and stability inside of me. And uh, uh, with that Midwestern stock of work ethic, I, at the age of 14, I started out as a car hop <laughs> at the A&W drive-in. And I tease and say if the place hadn't burned down during my senior year of high school, I might still be working there today. <laughs> but wow. uh, anyway. You I, enjoyed it, yeah, huh? I, well, you know what? It was a great place, you know, that just was, uh, you know, full of love and a lot of fun. And so anyway, I graduated high school. And at high school, there were only two uh, jobs that were available in my small town. And one was to be a secretary for the mayor and the other a dental assistant. And I believe this is where my fate stepped in. And I chose to be a dental assistant at that moment in time with my only reasoning that I couldn't imagine sitting behind a desk all day. So then okay, how fate did you, stepped in. Go ahead. How did you, how did you uh, come to write Escape the Lies? Well, I'm, I'm actually I'm getting there because my dentistry okay. profession is what led me to this. So I know as much as people... Um, really love to hear about dentistry. <laughs> it is, uh, I, I promise yeah. you, I will get there in just a second. So okay. basically, the, the man that I was working with convinced me to become a, a dental hygienist. And long story short, I was working in um, a general dentist office, and I started to see the same service that I was providing in the specialist office. And that treatment was was only diagnosed at a, at a time as, as a prep for surgery, and I knew in my heart there was something wrong with that picture. So I joined an, a group that felt the same way, a, a, a group of professionals that were determined to help shift this in dentistry. And we knew that if we provided the same procedure in the general practice office, that we could prevent. Um, a lot of patients from having surgery. And so that stance launched my business career, and it took me through 10 years of speaking throughout the country, internationally, and working and doing uh, clinical philosophy, which helped people understand how to make change in their lives. And there's a lot of stoic minds in the, the health field, and because we took our stance, we proved our theories, and basically... At this point in life, there was a collective agreement within our field. The tides turned, and now today the procedure is recognized as a um, a paid procedure for the general practice from all dental insurance companies. So this is where now where I bridge my gap between my dental background and what I I am today as a visionary fiction author. During my career, I had a chance to be around thousands of different people First as a, as a hygienist, then as a business owner, then as a dental consultant, speaker, and, and technical writer. And what I, I found, George, was that amongst my travels is how some people in life are happy and some aren't. And yeah. it became apparent, apparent that that was in all circles of life. It didn't matter if you were yeah. in dentistry, if you were in a restaurant, or at a church. Some people there were happy, and boy, you can certainly tell the ones that aren't, can't you? Yeah, and you can. Mo- yeah, most most of the time it wasn't because they were just down on their luck. I I, I really wanted to start 
studying and figuring figuring out what made some people happy and, and others with various levels of unhappiness from being disgruntled all the way to being just downright pissed off. <laughs> and so <laughs> I I studied different philosophies and the most significant one that I that really fascinated me was in the science of quantum physics and how our whole world is created through really through the vibration of frequencies and what we call into us. And so I'm I'm sure many of your listeners might be asking right now how the heck does science quantum physics have anything to do with relating to a person's happiness? And I promise I I promise you I will get to that. Um, during the time that I was in my career and studying the quantum physics, there were universal truths that I found that would would actually with people many people consciously working on creating a life that they love, but, but the people, many people that were just downright happy did it subconsciously through how they lived and the environment that they were brought up in. And I knew that this was what my calling was. It, I just kept praying to, once I knew that my, my career in dentistry was complete, I knew that I wanted to use the skills that I'd learned in, in helping people shift their limiting, limiting beliefs in dentistry and, and how to integrate transformational strategies to create not only a life you love, but how to, how to step into your dreams. Yeah, so after yeah. I jumped off, yeah, I jumped off a lot of cliffs and said a lot of prayers and took a lot of faith, and it led me to writing the trilogies of the Truth Hunters. And okay. my goal, which I think really is your goal, too, within my creative writing, is to make a difference and as an author to become a storyteller for change. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of, I was going to say a lot of the things that I write, even though it's fiction, you can find some things in, those, in my work that are true to life, and it can ex inspire other people, even though it's fiction. Yes. Yes, I, I have checked out your books, and I truly believe, George, that you fit into this category as well. It's actually, uh, it has a title of the category that's relatively new. It's called Visionary Fiction, which simply yeah. means a visionary story with inspiration and transformational messages yeah. weaved into the lives of the character. So yeah. I, that's yeah. what I felt like I wanted to do, because I'm sure you found over the years of reading books that, some of the books that are full of wisdom and they have great value, but they're quite dry and they're hard to read. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I felt like visionary yeah. fiction was a perfect venue. And I think that you found yeah. that as your source as well from looking at your books. Yeah. So yeah. I, I try to paint a yeah. picture with every word, paint a picture with every word, paint a picture with every paragraph on every page. So, you know, you can visualize mm -hmm. not only read the words, but visualize, you know, uh, see what's happening from words. And yes, I think it's the revival of the parable within writing. Mm -hmm. It utilizes mm -hmm. the story to illustrate a point and, and do that, like you said, through really creating a picture. So yeah. um, within my is trilogy this, is of this, Truth Hunter... Is this what ahead. Escape the Lies... Is this what Escape yep. the Lies is all about? Okay. It is. It is. Absolutely. Okay. And, it's, and Escape okay. the Lies is the first book in the trilogy referred to okay. as the Truth Hunters. And um, 
So the truth you know, hunters, well, as, know, as in someone hunting for the truth. Correct. Correct. Okay. And so I, I know from listening to you and your program, you might have believed that we might have been lied to a time or two in our life. <laughs> what uh. do you think? <laughs> I think society might have been lied to just a little bit. <laughs> Uh, uh yeah. well, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all have been lied to at least once or twice or yeah. more times, you know, and uh, yeah, so you know, so escape the lie. So, how do you actually the, to the, me? Can I ask you a question? How, how do you actually absolutely. escape the lie? How do you, how do you absolutely escape a, escape a lie? Well, I really feel like the first thing that you need to do is to, def mm -hmm. and what's so important and why the the trilogy is referred to as the truth hunters is to to define mm. your own truth what you believe okay. in not the information okay. you've been spoon-fed through our government not the information you've been spoon-fed through your school systems for your, your parents really yeah. from anybody it, mm -hmm. and in the book it, i i try to show how to use your own power of discretion on what makes sense to you so that you can define your own truth and okay. what what became interesting to me as I was going through all my studies is that as I was growing up, I always thought that truth was something that was static because if it was truth, it never changed. But when you define your own truth, it your truth changes. It truth truth changes as to what you believe in. I'm I'm sure. I mean, would you say in the last five years, George, that your truth has changed a, a time or two down the road on what you believed in and what made more sense to you and what didn't? Yes, I can say that, you know, because, uh, you know, um, things change, you know. I mean, even your thinking change. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, so, so I would probably say, yeah. It, so, yeah, and, and you kind of equate that with escaping the lies. Something like I that do, I do. Okay. I do. It, it's it's um, once you define your own truth, it, it, and to really to really set this up, it's 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 really about how our modern society has grown up, where everything's done for us. Our food is grown, our meat is caught, it's all packaged and provided for us. Our homes are already built for us for the most part. We can order almost anything we need now off the internet with pretty much little or no effort. And then with our school curriculum laid out for us from kindergarten through college, yeah. and then our college mm -hmm. majors and graduate degrees are all structured. And if we, you know, yeah. we're told if we live good lives and live by the rules, we're going to be happy and successful. And even our, you know, some, some of our pastors, priests, and ministers tell us what's right and wrong. And then our media our mainstream media, which I know you love, convinces <laughs> us to, to, funny. <laughs> to what's popular. They convince us to how we should look and even how we should feel. My God, we never yeah. even um, truly get have a chance to be responsible for ourselves. And we never even really, a lot of us don't have our own thinking. And at this point in our, our society today, that's, I'd say that's not working out very well for us. I'm so in sure this book, how would you, that. yeah, yeah. In this book, how would you change that? I would start off with, like I said before, with defining your own truth. 
And then you can define what beliefs you've adopted that limit your success. And then that uh, gives you the opportunity to escape the lies. Um, okay. I, I, uh, there, there's so many of us, like the central character in, my, in, in Escape the Lie, um, her name is Dr. Callie Morgan, and she's a research scientist. And she goes through this whole, um, you know, different levels of drama, as we all do, as life throws different challenges to us. And she realizes that she can no longer allow drama to fill the voids in her life and that she has to release her own layers of lies that controls her basically her every move and realizes that she, she's commissioned. It's a, um, a sci-fi fantasy uh, kind of book with all of these different principles thrown in. And she is commissioned to actually harness energy from the solar flares to bring to humanity as a resource so that we don't have to um, be plagued by society's um, coal and electricity and all the people that keep yeah. us um, in basically cornered in our little corners so that we have to rely on them for absolutely everything. And, and Okay, question. But what... She, Yes. Uh, have you incorporated any of your personal experiences in this book? Yes. Mm-hmm. How much? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, I would say a big part of the book and, and, and the personal experiences are, um, well, I, I have a science background, first of all, so that yeah, you know yeah. led me down the road towards the science yeah. and the quantum physics yeah. and an and understanding of how our mind works and how we can bring things to us to mm-hmm. um, allow for that happiness to not only come in and penetrate, but to be consciously focused on bringing it in. Because there is a you know, science behind it. Uh, you know, this is a very powerful book. This is very, very powerful stuff you are uh, talking about on the show. This is this is great stuff, and uh, it's all about motivating people to do better in their lives. Basically, if you boil it down, you know. And yes, uh, yes. how how is the book doing so doing right now? How are people responding to it? I've had incredible response. Um, it's mm-hmm. uh, bestseller. It was bestseller in six categories. Um, it mm-hmm. went outside of, wow. of fiction into self into many areas of self help, and yeah. all of the reviews I've gotten ninety six percent five star reviews. Congratulations! So I thank you so much. Thank you. I think it's yeah, just. It's- I think I hit the timing right. People are ready. <laughs> to hear what they can do because, you know, there's just so many of us in life that drama is the only way we feel passion today because there's no time for self. There's no time in our busy, busy worlds to honor who we are, to remember who we are and to give love to ourselves. And really, mainstream's designed it that way. It keeps us in our rut so that we're so powerful I mean, we're, excuse me, so that we're so very powerless, we, we're we yeah. so busy that we don't even have time to think. I mean, don't you hear yeah. that from people all throughout life is, is I just don't even, I'm so busy, I don't even have time to 
You know, when people say, I don't even have the time to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard that a lot. Of, a lot of people are so busy to take time for themselves. I've heard that a lot. And uh, I said, you got to slow down a little bit and, and, and smell the roses, you know. Um, you know, I mean, because you if you don't, you will yeah. never experience any freedom. There's no freedom yeah. in that whatsoever. Yeah. And and it and the the book talks about how to release the excessive responsibilities that that you basically you end up taking on and you take on and you take on because society tells you that you need to do this and do that and do this and do that until you feel the like the blood is just squeezed right out of you. And and yeah. the book talks about uh, really how important it is to make yourself a priority in your life. Like, All right, where can we find the book? Where where can we go find uh, the book? Well, where can you tell people I, to go get the book? Basically, I'm offering the book for free on my website. And oh, wow. uh, my website, okay. yeah, my website is PeggyLeeSprague.com. Mm -hmm. And it's free. All you got to do is and just download it into your Kindle all, or some reading uh, device. Oh, uh, yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's a digital oh, okay. copy that's for free. And okay, anybody but you, that would like to to have it, just go to my website. There's a button that says "Click here to get your free book." Right on the is very it a, first page. When I was going to say, is it also available on Amazon? Absolutely. In paperback, but, you know, yeah. The, yeah. It's, it's, it's available in paperback and digital and on Amazon mm -hmm. right now. There's a price mm -hmm. for it, you know, but but okay. if you go to my website, I am I'm happy to give it away for free. That's great of you. I mean, that's beautiful of you to give it away for free. You I mean, you're trying to uh, say, hey, well, I'm trying to help you with your life in this way. But and you don't have to pay for it. It's great. It's wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you. It is. Um, it is. It, it really is. Thank you very uh, much. Okay, I'm gonna give you the um, okay. I'm gonna give you the last word, Peggy Lee Sprague on the George Wilder Jr. Show. You got the last word. Well, thank you. I um, I just really feel like it's so important. I I you know there's like I, I, one little piece here, a few paragraphs I'd like to to read from the book that says. Her, uh, Callie's the research scientist, and she says, please listen closely. You don't have to get this right. There's no right or wrong in this. There's only life experience. You never have to feel like you're pleasing me, your heart, for the sake of approval. Please yourself and be consciously focused on happiness and love, and everything else will sort itself out. But I do think you'll be eager to embrace the, the, the principle of, of the coup de grace of them all. And her coup de grace that the that uh, the lady in red, which is her heart, utters mm -hmm. only three words: "Claim your power, Dr. Callie Morgan. Claim your power." And so my goal all right, for all of us is to claim our power. Okay, Peggy Lee Sprague on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Lots of success. The book sounds like it's it's something that is a must-have. So I would. Uh, encourage all my readers, all my listeners, I'm sorry, and readers <laughs> to uh, yeah. go get this book. It's, it's right there on your website, PeggyLeeSprague.com, and it's free. So there's no reason Thank why you. a lot of my listeners should not go to your website and download that book for free. And, and they are going to the, get a the lot. Peggy is, the Peggy is spelled P-E-G-G-Y, not I-E. So um, not, not Okay, a, I got no it wrong. <laughs> we got it wrong. Okay. <laughs> 
I just want them to be able to find it if they do. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, George. All right. Thanks for being on the show. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Okay. All right. Peggy Lee Sprague on the George Wilder Jr. Show. All right. We're going to get that name uh, um, corrected. All righty. Here we go. Did you talk to the president? What was I doing there if... um, um, if he didn't want me to be there. Well, let me ask you, did you talk to the president? Did you interview him for this book? I, 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 absolutely, I absolutely spoke to the president, oh. whether he realized it was an interview or not. Um, I, I don't know, but it certainly was not off the record. I've spent about uh, three hours with the president over the course of the campaign in, in the White House. So my window into Donald Trump is, um, um, is pretty significant. But even more to the point, I spent this, I spent, and this was really sort of the point of the book, I spoke to people who spoke to the president on a daily, sometimes minute-by-minute basis. Donald Trump will attack, he will send lawyers letters. This is a, a, a 35-year history of how he approaches everything. Do you have recordings of some of these interviews and some of these conversations? Well, I, I, I work like every journalist works. So I have recordings. I have notes. Um, I am certainly in absolutely in every way comfortable with everything I've reported in this book. Would you release any of those recordings since your credibility is being questioned? I, my, my credibility is being questioned by a man who has less credibility than perhaps anyone who has ever walked on earth at this point. <laughs> that was Michael Wolf talking this morning on the Today right. Show, and he's going to be joining us on set on Monday morning. But we're back with Mike Barnacle, Casey Hunt, the AP's Jonathan Lampere, Republican strategist Susan Del Percio, and joining the conversation, we have national political correspondent for NBC News and MSNBC, Steve Kornacki, also White House bureau chief at the Washington Post, and political analyst for MSNBC and NBC News, Philip Rucker, and in Los Angeles strategist at Eldridge Industries and part owner of The Hollywood Reporter, Janice Min. Janice is one of six guests that attended the Steve Bannon Roger Ailes dinner party that was detailed in Michael Wolff's book. Janice, let's begin with you. I love uh, the correspondence that you said you had back and forth with Michael Wolff when Michael was roaming around the West Wing and you were asking him, what exactly do they think you are doing there, Michael? And to which... He responded what? He said, I don't know what they think I'm doing. Uh, And and different answers at different times would be, but I'm going to keep doing it until they tell me not to. Uh, And I remember there was a a key moment when Kelly was brought in as chief of staff. And I said, you know, who's supposed to bring law and order to the West Wing? And I said to Michael, so, you know, is the jig up now that Kelly's there? And Michael responded to me, there is so much chaos. I think I am last on the totem pole of the concerns. And he did proceed to be in there for many, many, many more weeks, even with Kelly in the White House. Well, tell us about the dinner uh, that's detailed Mm -hmm. in the book. Uh, First of all, is it accurate? And uh, what were the surprises? Uh, What surprised you in the (laughs) dinner? Everything was surprising. The the details in the book are accurate. Uh, It was the whole the whole dinner from start to finish was about five hours. Uh, Roger Ailes and his wife Elizabeth arrived first. Um, And remember, this is shortly. This is on the heels of Ailes being ousted from Fox News. Uh, He hasn't he hadn't spoken to any media. Was not allowed to speak to any media and the two of them were 
thick as thieves on everything, Elizabeth and Roger. They, she was his staunch defender, angrier about the way he was treated than he was. And really, if you were to just, by their accounts, they simply were baffled, could not believe any of these allegations coming forward, believe there was self, there, were, there was, people were personally motivated uh, to get ahead in their careers, uh, Rod, that Roger was a great champion of women, um, and, and, and they, they believed it so much that you could see how they could convince others that it wasn't true. Um, the, he also was very candid about his feelings about Rupert Murdoch, uh, and, and I thought tellingly at dinner, I, I sat, Roger sat to my right, and we were talking about Donald Trump, and he said, Roger said, you know, I'm a lifelong Republican, but these guys kind of scare me. And this yeah. is, um, you know, so you, I've, many days I've thought since that, that conversation, what would the nature of Fox News be today if Ailes had been kept in charge? Would it be, would it be the, you know, the House News Channel for the White House? I don't know. Yeah, it, there, there's so many questions to ask. One, one that Michael Wolff uh, asked yesterday on Twitter, Gabe Sherman. Gabe Sherman had yes. brought up that Rupert Murdoch had such a hostile relationship with Michael Wolff. You had everybody in the West Wing who had no idea how, who Michael Wolff was, which is just mind blowing for people it, that are running the country don't don't know who Michael Wolff was. All they had to do, and Jared Kushner and Donald Trump and I people. Know. West Wing were in daily contact with Rupert Murdoch. If they just asked Murdoch about Michael Wolf, he would have said, get him the hell out of there now. Right. Well, the lack of the, it reveals the lack of discipline that Michael writes about throughout the book. Uh, let's, let's go back to how he even got the access, uh, got access to the White House in the first place. Uh, in, in June of 2016, um, Michael had done a cover story of The Hollywood Reporter on Donald Trump, and Trump was Trump had invited Michael to his house in Beverly Hills. Uh, and the, the story was not flattering. Um, it, this was a story where Michael was questioning Trump about Brexit, and he was quite confused, didn't know what Brexit was, didn't seem to know who Peter Thiel was, when, when, who was about to speak at the Republican National Convention on his behalf. When Michael brought up Peter Thiel, he said he looked confused and said, oh, is that a friend of Jared's? Um, and and so on and so on and you know even even calling the furniture in Trump's home that of a four-star hotel, not a five-star hotel, the kinds of thing that would the kinds of notes that would typically drive Trump insane. But after that, the cover was sort of cool looking, and and uh, Michael got an email from Hope Hicks saying, "Great cover!" Exclamation point. And you know, so shortly after that, shortly after that, Michael went in for the kill. This is Michael. You know, he is he is a shark. He went in for the kill and asked yeah. for access to the White House, and he got it. And, you know, from the second after the inauguration, and he was in there. But, you know, going back to the dinner party, I, I was blown away by the level of trust and confidence Steve Bannon and Roger Ailes had in Michael. He was, he was clearly one of them. I mean, they, they, they liked him, yeah. they trusted him, and they spoke openly. I mean, the sort of repartee at the dinner party, Michael and I were blown. Afterwards, we were almost, we were incredulous, saying, we just watched the formation of the cabinet, um, the Republican agenda laid out, and we really got to see who was in charge of these decisions. And there was no disputing that Bannon was the one driving driving the car at that point. He, yeah. you know, when he, sat, when he sat down, you know, among the first things he said, 
He said, you know, I'm, day one, we're moving the embassy to Jerusalem, which it did not, it was not day one, but that was important to yeah. him. Um, he talked about, uh, he talked about Rudy Giuliani, uh, what they were going to, you know, what are we going to do about Rudy? He's upset he didn't get secretary of state. And Ailes, they have this, you know, really casual way about them. They know each other well. And Ailes says, uh, you know, uh, don't worry about Rudy. Just let him be photographed coming once or twice out of Air Force One. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. And then, you know, Ailes is asking Bannon, what about Georgette? What are you going to do with Georgette? And he's talking about Georgette Mossbacker, um, New York right. City socialite, big figure in the party. And Bannon said, and I don't know if this even ever happened, Bannon said, oh, we're giving her Slovenia as an ambassadorship. And they, started, they talked about other people who were seeking ambassadorships. Um, and, yeah. and then, and then the, you know, the, the, the only time I saw, you know, Bannon, we, th we picture him as this foaming mouth, rabid dog. He was incredibly calm and rational. The only two times I saw him get very heated and animated at the meal was when he said, uh, he said, um, you know what, we have our chance to get three, three, uh, three of our people on the Supreme Court. And when we do that, and I think he used an expletive, you know, the, the other side is going right. to effing say we won. And, um, and so he, yep. he, he was very, he was very adamant about that. The second time I saw him get very animated, he said, um, forget about the Middle East. Why are people, like, the conflict's not in the Middle East. Everyone needs to be looking at China. And he went on this unbelievably manic, long tirade about uh, how, how, uh, China is the problem. China has stolen America's middle class. I'm getting it back. And he said, uh, you know, the, the, the South China Sea is where the action's going to be. And he said, that, and he create, you know, he's, he's knows an enormous right. amount about arcane Chinese history. And he mentioned some theory, right. which I was not aware of, about conflict happening every 17 years, war happening every, every 17 years in Asia, where the lesser, where the greater power destroys the lesser power, but to the detriment right. of the greater power. Okay. All right, Janice, man. What thank was you that? so much for being with us. Rem a remarkable accounting. All right. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. It is all about making the world a better place. Join me.
Well, it looks like George Trump is going to try to show is now all on right, the that's air. That's it is all about making the world. All right. Okay. Donald Trump is tr- going to. Um, okay. He, they're saying here that he's going to be ending DACA, the uh, program that protects young immigrants who were brought over here, the United States, uh, when they're by their parents when they were little, small children or babies, you know, a lot of these kids are are here through no fault of their own. And Trump is going, going to end the, um, their stay in America because they weren't born here. They were just brought over here by their parents. So a lot of these, a lot of these people are working. They're working as doctors, lawyers. I mean, they are working and, or they will be working. And, um, you know, a lot of these people uh, have, you know, have gotten their, I, I believe they're, they uh, completed their citizen uh, papers or something to that effect. But anyway, he's going to end, end this program for a lot of dreamers. They call them dream, dreamers, dreaming about that American dream. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something with Donald Trump and the goons in office. There is no American dream. Believe me, there is none. You think about owning your own home, having a great job, car, house, and all this kind of thing, and great family, a great place to live in the suburban life or whatever you want to call it. There is no American dream with Donald Trump and the Republicans because these people are all about themselves. They're all about greed, lies, uh, treason, you, you name it. Uh, this guy is a mess, and there are already a lot of people are already talking about his fitness for office. And this is not a book, even though it's in his book, it's in Michael Wolf's book. But but when we and they're saying that the book is a bunch of lies, it, it's what we anybody who has been following Trump knows that there is something wrong inside his head. I mean, when you hear, see him on television or hear him speak or see clips of him speaking and he's stuttering or he's uh, slurring his uh, uh, words or adjectives or whatever, uh, he, he, if he looks as if he doesn't know where he is, if he looks as if he's about to have a heart attack or something on television, and then he forgets things quickly. You know, he forgets things quickly. I'm hearing he's very, very forgetful. Uh, he's, he repeats things and a whole host of a number of other things I can't even think of that other people might know better than I do. The guy's unfit for office. However, the Republicans keep Donald Trump there uh, because I can only – two reasons to, to why I think the Republicans keep Donald Trump in office. They, one, they're keeping him there so they can get everything that they want out of him. Once they get everything that they want out of him, they're going to impeach him. Secondly, he just gave them all a lot of money by this tax cut. Every one of them has gotten richer. He's, he's, he's screwed social programs, uh, taking money from a lot of social programs and putting them in the pockets of the rich. You know, so they like that. And I'm hearing one other reason. They may be trying to not impeach him and wait until Bob Mueller gets done with his Russia investigation into 2016 election meddling. I mean, you can, I mean, if you're listening to the show and I hope you are, then you can just surmise what you want from that, you know? 
some people say, well, that's the Democrats. I, I think that's what the Democrats are doing. That's why they're so silent and and not actually speaking out or taking charge uh, against Donald Trump and his mental fitness for office. Uh, they are trying to wait out and see what the uh, uh, the, uh, the investigation going to bring. But hey, wow, Donald Trump can could have totally destroyed the world by then. Donald Trump needs to go now. He needs to go now. The hell with what they're saying over there at Fox News. They're just kissing his ass as always. The hell what John Spicer says. The hell what go. To, uh, the hell what uh, this woman uh, Sarah Huck, Huckabee Sanders. She's a monumental liar. These people are liars. They they are kissing their boss's ass. You know literally. Uh, and and throwing it out there to us and saying that we should believe it when we see for ourselves and we can hear for ourselves. We don't need people to say, you know, try to uh, persuade and tell us how to think and what we should think. This is what Fox News does. Tell us what to think. Tell us what to believe. And, and, and they're the ones who are smart and we're dumb and we should believe them. Give me a break. Where do they get these people on Fox News? They dig them out from under a rock somewhere and put them on television and try to convince us that Donald Trump is a genius like he says he is. Donald Trump is no genius. If he was a genius, he wouldn't have to say he's a genius. He's giving these press conferences, you know, the saying that he's not dumb. And that's dumb right there to give a press conference to say just to tell the American people you're not dumb. If you want us to, if Donald Trump wants us to think that he's not dumb, he doesn't have to tell us. Just do the things uh, that he thinks that we're going to uh, congratulate him on and and say he has great intelligence on. It's up to the American people to uh, grade Donald Trump. Donald Trump cannot grade himself. It's <laughs> he tries it all the time. The American people, we're the ones who grade you. Because if you get a good grade or maybe a, a, a really good grade, maybe B or A, A or B, whatever, uh, we may send you back to office. You get an F, your ass is out, outside sitting on the curb. The American people, we are his uh, graders. He doesn't, grade in, he doesn't grade himself. Great, you know, because, you know, he's being stupid right there. Trying to tell us that he's not stupid. That's being stupid. The, the American people have the say on your conduct and your behavior, and we the ones give you the grade by our polling. He doesn't know that. He doesn't know that. All right, worry and feeling of worry and the feeling of helplessness helplessness will defeat us. Stay positive, stay engaged, stay focused, and take and make taking back our country a mission. Yeah. It has to be a mission, folks. There's some, we have to take back this country, and it has to be a mission. The Democrats strong. 70 to 80% of the people in, in America, we do not like what's going on in the White House. We can't stand it. You know, I mean, these people have brought the White House down to its knees. I believe it when, they, I believe it, when it was said a few months ago that Donald Trump called the White House a dump. And he denied it viciously that he did not. But it seems like something out of Donald Trump's playbook. 
He lives in a palace in Mar-a-Lago. That's a palace. And maybe he was comparing that to the, uh, to the White House. But if he thinks it's such a dump, he can get his ass out. That, but that's what Republicans want. They want power. They want straight-up power. They want, they want this country. They want this country to be controlled by the rich and Donald Trump and Putin wants to take America apart so they can make a lot of money. The hell with the Constitution, the hell with what the American people want, the hell with what the American people think. And it doesn't matter if you are a Republican, Democrat, or or Republican, Democrat, or an independent, libertarian, or whatever you are. These folks in the White House, they're treating everybody the same. We're peasants. You know, <laughs> we're peasants con- uh, compared to them. And we are. The only time we're not peasants is when they're coming out asking for our votes. Then they love us. They love us to death when they're coming out asking for our votes. But once they get in the office, we become peasants. You know, because, you know, Donald Trump, I don't think Donald Trump thinks he's king anymore or or that he wants to be emperor or or that he wants to dominate the world because I don't think it's going to work. I mean, the world, I mean, Americans don't like Donald Trump. That's a given, okay? I don't care what anybody say. You can spend this the way you want. America does not like Donald Trump. There are a lot of Americans actually hate Donald Trump. A lot of Americans want to see Donald Trump have a heart attack or stroke. This is what the majority of Americans want, and that's sad. Because basically, it's what I've been saying all the time. Donald Trump has a war on the American people. It, it's a war that I don't think Donald Trump can win. I don't give a sh- any programs he uh, um, try to take away or how many executive orders he un- un- undoes of Obama. He can't win this thing. I mean, it's 320 Americans in the United States, and it's only one Donald Trump. Just because he has the power that we don't have, we have the power in numbers, in numbers. And there is no doubt, I'm going to say this again, there is no doubt about it. America does not like Donald Trump. America hates Donald Trump, and he knows it. That's why he has to come out every now and then in front of the camera and say he's not dumb, he's a genius, he's a smart guy, he's, an, he's intelligent, he's the art of the deal, and we know he's not. And the majority of the Americans think he's uh, unfit for office. Not, not by what he's, he is saying uh, about himself. It's about what we've seen of him. This is not wh- and how we have heard him. And his lies on top of lies, you know, pathological. I mean, there's no greater person in the United States, in, a, in the United States of America, that can say pathological liar like Bernie Sanders. I just love to hear Bernie Sanders. is a pathological liar. And um, that's the truth. That is so the truth. And for Donald Trump's surrogates to go around and say he's not a pathological liar, they're lying. They're lying. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. It's straight up, uh, 718 straight up. Uh, in the city of Chicago, 7, 7, 7, 18 p.m., straight up. Oh, I, 
I got to get that right. Seven. I've been out all. I've been out all day, folks. So, seven nineteen now p.m. in the city of Chicago. We got about ten more minutes left into the show, and I thank my guest Peggy Lee Sprague. I did go to her website, folks, and the book is free. So you go to uh, Peggy Lee, Peggy Lee Sprague dot com, and uh, download this book called Escape the Lies. I mean, it sounds like a really powerful book, and I hope she's still listening. Um, it sounds like a real powerful book, something you can really get um, get your um, something you can really get into. I mean, it really is Escape the Lies. I mean, when I first saw the title Escape the Lies, I thought she was talking about the Trump administration, li- literally, folks. Because, <laughs> and I just told you from, at the beginning of the show, do not lie because the people in power are lying every day and they get caught lying every day and they lie through their teeth. They lie with a straight face. Doesn't mean you have to do it. Lies uh, are, will get you in a lot of trouble. They've gotten Donald Trump in a lot of trouble. They will get you in a lot of trouble because uh, if he has to, if he has to meet with the special prosecutor and answer questions, and if he is put and he lies, which he probably will, he will go to jail. <laughs> so I don't. I actually think Donald Trump is going to try to get out of it, meeting with the special prosecutor. I'm hearing that his lawyers right now are trying to get him out of meeting with the meeting with those special prosecutors to answer questions. And I'm hearing that it probably will happen, that he will not meet with the, uh, because they know Donald Trump is unhinged and he will say anything at any given time and he will incriminate himself. So his lawyers don't want that. So they're going to try and get him uh, not to be uh, questioned by the special prosecutor in this investigation that is about him. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. we got about eight more minutes left into the show. It's been fun, folks. I, I've been off the air for so long, I don't know how to act now that I'm back on. And I want to thank everybody out there for listening. Make sure you podcast the show. Um, just, because the, just because I'm not on the air doesn't mean that you cannot listen to some of the previous shows that I have um, produced. Uh, they're all right here on Block Talk Radio uh, slash George Wilder Jr. Right here. You'll catch every show that I've ever done. And I think I've done about 350 right now or close, very close. But I've seen I've seen uh, uh, talk show hosts on this network. Uh, they have over 1,500 shows that they've done or maybe more. And I only get a measly 354. Wow. That seems a lot to me. <laughs> a lot of people like what they do, so they keep doing their shows. It, it is fun. It is great. Okay. All right. It says here, prospect of President Winfrey thrills Dems. Oh, my goodness. The Democrats are saying, run, Oprah, run. <laughs> oh, Wow. Um, if she runs, uh, you know, if if the competition isn't too much for, if she runs, I will vote for her. I will vote for her. Uh, a lot of us thought that um, Michelle Obama would run, but she's Miss, <laughs> Michelle Obama is not going to run for president. Uh, she she can't take the heat. It's it's too hot for her. I mean, she's going to be facing off with these nasty Republicans, and it's it's too hot for her. But anyway, run Oprah, run, and I think she's. 
can do it. You know, I, I said before that, uh, you know, uh, basically I would like to see a, a Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, but if we get an Oprah Winfrey or a Carla Harris or a few women, that'd be great. And all of these women running that are running things, you look, you tell yourself, what, what's happening with the men? The men can't do nothing. You know, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Men aren't the only ones who sexual harass. Women have sexual harassed too, but somehow the men just, they just, uh, do it a lot more so. And I think a lot of these men deserve what they're getting too. I really do. Uh, women are not to be, you know, uh, give, I mean, but this has been happening since the beginning of time, way back in the thirties and forties, where if a woman wanted a part in a movie, she'd have to be extraordinarily pretty and she would have to put out. Majority of the women in the, if you watch these old Nor movies, a lot of these Nor movies, these movies that are made in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and you see a lot of women in some of these movies, the pretty women, a lot of them had to put out before they got those parts. And now um, this thing today is saying that the women have come into their own, Me Too, and all that kind of thing, and they're not going to take it anymore. And as I, as I said earlier, if they're talking about sexual abuse, uh, uh, domestic violence, I'm all, I'm all with them. I am with them. I, I think... Men beating on women. Women, men think women are something that's supposed to be beat on, treated badly, you know. And uh, it's not. That's not right. That's not right. I mean, you got some countries around the world that women, any respect, you know, they don't. They can't do anything. It's the man that is king. It's the man that's the emperor. I mean, you women around the world, especially in some of these mid mid eastern countries, where women are stoned to death for this or that, infidelity. You know, uh, they don't have any rights. Some women can't in some of these uh uh foreign uh cities around the world, women can't even drive a car. You know, so women are really treated badly around some of the world treated badly and they don't have respect or rights. But in the United States, hey, wow, they reign supreme. They're in control of everything. I've worked for a few women managers. I had a few women man bosses. I thought they were great. I had men bosses too. Uh, I'd rather work for the women. There's a difference there. I've, rather, I've enjoyed working for women supervisors more so than I enjoyed working for men managers and bosses. There's a difference. There's a different way that you're treated. And I'm not going to get, in that, get into that now because we're just about off the air. Maybe I can talk about it tomorrow. But anyway, Oprah Winfrey for president. This is, this is something, folks. We're going to get into a little bit more of this uh, tomorrow. This is Monday. We're going to be on four days a week, 6 o'clock to 7.30 p.m. And the show should be just great and marvelous because I'm having a great time. I'm having a great time. I'm glad you're here. I hope you're having a great time listening to the show and enjoying uh, the show But because that's what it's all about. This is the Talk About Times, it, and it is back for 2018. 2018, the George Wilder Jr. show is here, and um, I'm looking for <laughs> – oh, wow. I don't miss me doing everything. Um, he should be coming to the – coming through the door any minute and my producer is my son okay 
That's my son. He produces the shows. He does some of the, not all the music for the show. I do a lot of it, and he does some. He does the introduction at the beginning of the show, which I had to uh, direct him to do. And um, all right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're just about off the air. Wow. Time goes fast when you're having fun. That is no joke. All right. Thank everybody for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Please break, accept the lies on the George Wilder Jr. And please get to their website, download that free book. All right, thank you everybody. Have a great evening, great weekend. Bye bye.